Welcome to Proper Charlie, the weekly podcast by me, Charlie Murray. It's all about my thoughts on the last seven days. There's music, people I've seen, literature, and so much more. It's time to share Proper Charlie's thoughts with you. So, welcome along and enjoy the next 30 minutes with me, a right proper Charlie. Here I am, back again to take you on another trip through my musical journey from the last seven days. The first album I want to chat about today is The Wildest by Louis Prima. This is an album that almost caused me a great deal of embarrassment this week when, whilst on my flight to Paris, I began involuntarily dancing in my seat whilst listening to this delightfully joyous and infectiously happy album. The grumpy old man I was sat next to wasn't all that impressed as he tutted loudly at my dancing and smiling. But, I'm sure, had I perhaps offered him one of my headphones so that he could listen along with me, he would have been dancing and smiling just as much as I was. It's that sort of an album. You can't help but enjoy the experience of it. The Wildest is the 10th studio album by Louis Prima released in 1956 on Capitol. I first heard Louis Prima when, as a little girl, my grandfather played me this very album. I remember laughing so much as we danced around and around, letting the whole album engulf us in a cacophony of rock and roll, jazz and blues. For those of you that don't know, Louis Prima was an American singer, songwriter band leader and trumpeter from the 1930s right up until his death due to a brain tumour in 1975. He is somebody I grew up listening to with my grandfather being a huge fan of Louis Prima and so his music fills me with such a wonderful nostalgic warmth as it floods me with many happy memories. Back to the wildest, I have two favourite tracks on this album. The first is Jump, Jive and Wail. The lyrics don't make all that much sense, unless you're dancing to the song, and then, all of a sudden, they seem to make sense. A woman is a woman, and a man ain't nothing but a male. One good thing about him, he knows how to jive and wail. See what I mean? But it's such a fun, lively, energetic and infectiously cheerful song, it doesn't really matter. When I hear Jump, Jive and Wail, I imagine I'm back in a nightclub in the 1950s, having the time of my life, dancing to it. I suppose that's the case with most of this album, really. Before I tell you about my second favourite track on this album, I want to give an honourable mention to Buenos Aires, a Louis Prima song that has been covered by, well, almost everybody that was in the industry at the same time as Prima, really but probably, most notably, by Dean Martin. This is the original of that classic song, and it's absolutely fantastic. Without a doubt, my favourite version of this song. My second favourite track on this album is Banana Split For My Baby. It's such a hilarious and clever song. I remember thinking as a little girl, 
when I heard this song how much I wished that I would one day have a boy that would buy me such an extravagant banana split like I thought Louis Prima was ordering for his girl in this song. Oh, to have a boy that would lavish me with such delicious treats. One day, I got my wish for a boy just like the one in the song. After dining out with my ex, who strangely features later on in this episode too, he ordered an extravagant meal for us both. It really was so delicious. He pulled all of the stops out and I had a truly wonderful evening until, just like the song, when the bill came, he announced he was broke. Separate checks, it must be. Charge the split to her, the water to me. Oh, the banana splits for my baby and the glass of plain waters for me. Ain't got no money, the glass of plain waters for me. Can you believe it? Just like the poor woman in the song, I had to pick up the bill for the extravagant meal my ex had ordered for me in such a generous manner. The lesson here is, I suppose, be careful what you wish for, kids. Sometimes it might just come true. The next album I want to tell you all about is one of the most addictive albums I've ever heard. Let England Shake by PJ Harvey. This is one of those albums that I can go months without listening to, and then as soon as I hear a song from it, I have to binge listen to the whole album repeatedly for days after. There is just something so captivating about PJ Harvey's sound, especially on this album. It's mesmerising. Let England Shake is the eighth studio album by PJ Harvey, released in 2011 on Ireland. She is without a doubt one of the most notable singer-songwriters of the 21st century. This album is a step away from her usual introverted approach to music with a completely extroverted look at England and also loosely the USA in a world post-September 11th. If you want it to be, this album can be a completely political album that would rival anything by the likes of Bob Dylan, John Lennon. But also, if you choose for it to be, then just like John Lennon and Bob Dylan, it could be just a truly fantastically unique folk rock composition. It's very easy to understand how this album won the Mercury Prize. PJ Harvey, for those that haven't heard of her, is an English musician, singer-songwriter, poet and composer. She is, to date, the only artist to have been awarded the Mercury Prize twice. I first discovered PJ Harvey whilst listening to music with one of my friends. He kept telling me that I absolutely had to listen to her because I'd love her. He went on and on about her for quite a few weeks until... I eventually relented and listened to one of PJ Harvey's earlier albums, Dry. From then on, I was hooked. Let England Shake was recorded in a quaint little church in her home county of Dorset, St Peter's in Ipe, if you're interested, which I believe is now more of an art centre than a functioning church. I visited the church a couple of years ago and it was so charming and oddly enchanting even though, being completely honest, it wasn't all that much to look at compared to some churches. 
It felt wonderful to stand in a church where so many life-changing events have taken place for the villagers that the church serves, but also where such a monumental album was recorded. Churches have such an incredible residual history anyway, but this church was more than a bit special. I struggle when it comes to picking a favourite track from this album as I love the composition as a whole and to be honest I feel it should be enjoyed as such but if I absolutely had to pick one, if my life depended on it, I would say my favourite track from this album is England. It gives me chills every time I hear it. PJ Harvey's ethereal voice sounds truly phenomenal and it's just such a breathtakingly beautiful and emotive track. To you, England, I cling. Undaunted, never failing love. For you, England. One of my favourite things to do when it comes to PJ Harvey albums is to watch people listen to them for the first time, much like my friend did with me the first time I listened to her. I know that sounds odd, but as we've discussed previously, I so enjoy people watching and PJ Harvey brings out all manner of emotions in people, from confusion as the album opens to joy, sadness, anger and relaxation amongst many other things and I love watching people go through all of the emotions with her. I will say, not everybody has understood and enjoyed her music but I still enjoy watching them listen to her. It's certainly a unique experience. I obviously can't watch you all listen to her music, although I wish I could, so I'll ask. If you've never heard this album, or any of her others before, for that matter, give her a listen and come back and tell me what you thought. I'd love to know. Stranger of the week? Could it be you? I know it isn't you. It's strange that I happen to know this week, stranger. I know that doesn't make sense, but hopefully all will be made clear as my story continues. Not only did I know this week, stranger, but I actually knew him really well. The reason I knew him was because he was my ex-boyfriend. Remember the one I mentioned earlier, that took me out for dinner, then made me pay? Yeah, him. Has that ever happened to you? You haven't seen someone for a few years, and then they suddenly reappear into your life. That's what happened to me this week. I met a stranger who, once I thought I knew really well, but actually, I didn't. I happened to be out with friends, catching up with them, before I headed off to Paris for a trip that I will tell you all about later. We'd decided to go to a local pub as they had an open mic night and I fancied having a go. The crowd in the pub were in for a surprise when I started to sing, but the surprise was nothing compared to my own when I was confronted by this complete stranger, 
Well, I thought he was a complete stranger because I didn't recognise him at first. We were only a few feet apart when he began talking to me as though time hadn't passed and nothing had ever gone bad between us. The stranger told me how much he had missed me. He told me how much he wanted to get back with me and a load of other nonsense as well. It was all very complimentary, I suppose, but I have to say he remained a stranger in my eyes. My life had moved on and I had made new friends after a somewhat fiery relationship a few years back. He didn't know the new me and I certainly didn't want to know any version of him changed or otherwise. he changed physically, if not mentally. He'd grown a beard and it was a total turnaround of how things used to be. I had much longer hair, almost covering my face back in the day, but now with my newfound confidence and freedom from him, I'd had it cut short. He was hairier and I was less hairier. It was funny, really. Yes, I knew the stranger, but I really didn't know him at all anymore. I felt safe surrounded by my friends, and he eventually realised I had left him far behind, although I have to admit, it took him a while to realise. He thought he'd win me back after treating me so horribly, and then a couple of years' absence in my life, but he didn't stand a chance. He hung around the pub until it was my turn to get up and sing. The song I chose completely poleaxed his intentions as I looked him straight between the eyes. There's no need to tell you what the song was, but it reduced him back to the size he used to be when I knew him. He left the pub and I got a huge round of applause, and it certainly wasn't for my beautiful singing voice. Buddha says that the song of a bird is mightier than the roar of a lion. I proved it that night. He was louder than me, but... It was me that got the round of applause in the end. He remains a stranger, and as I choose not to mention his name, he remains a stranger with you too. Let's hope I meet a more interesting stranger next week. Before I delve into this week's edition of Literally Literature, I want to set the scene a little and tell you about an incredible woman that I'm currently working with. I mentioned her briefly at the end of last week's episode, but I didn't say too much. Her name is Lana Treat. I've been working with Lana for a few months now. Earlier this year, she released her memoirs and... I've been helping her with the marketing side of it all since. I have so many years of experience in the online industry. Lana is a bisexual nymphomaniac, author and artist, living in Pigalle, Paris. But she was born in London and lived there until the morning of her 30th birthday when she decided spontaneously to move to Paris and change her life and herself beyond recognition. 
I met Lana through some mutual friends that live in Paris. Lana and I hit it off straight away, and we've been very close friends ever since. So I was delighted when she asked me to help her with the marketing of her book, and artwork as well. Lana lives a life of total liberation, and I have to admit, although I too live a very liberated life, I am envious of how liberated Lana truly is. Her life and the people in it are truly fascinating, and I hope that over the course of these podcast episodes, I can tell you about some of the more interesting characters in it. Literally Literature My weekly adventure through the literary world As I mentioned, Lana released her memoirs earlier this year. Memoirs of Lana Treat, Nymphomaniac. Or at least part one of her memoirs. From what I know of Lana, a lot more has happened in her life since she finished the first edition of her life story. So far. Memoirs of Lana Treat, Nymphomaniac, tells of how Lana abandoned her boring life in London, her even more boring job, and her exceedingly boring boyfriend, and moved to Paris, where she became a bisexual nymphomaniac, living a life of total, debaucherous liberation. It tells of how she enjoyed her first threes up with fellow passengers on her flight to France, a far cry from the grumpy old man on my flight earlier this week. How she fell for Elodie, a beautiful dancer working at one of Paris's many cabaret bars. Discover how she joined the art world of Pigalle, and also how she bedded a man older than her father. At the end of the Second World War, her grandfather helped to liberate France. On her 30th birthday, France helped to liberate Lana too. She's been craving to tell you how, and now she's plucked up the courage. So be prepared to be seriously turned on. I really admire Lana's book. First of all, for how brave I feel she's been in telling her story with such graphically honest detail. But also for her liberation and for the fact she's completely and truly living the life that she wants to with no care or thought given for behaving the way one ought to more than how one wishes to. That level of freedom is something I truly admire and I suppose aspire to really. If you enjoy reading memoirs, especially the erotic kind, then you will definitely enjoy reading Memoirs of Lana Treat, Nymphomaniac. It's jam-packed with so many horny stories, as well as the truly fascinating story of how Lana ended up in Paris to begin with. I loved reading about the relationship that Lana formed with a mysterious artist who had a different name every time she met him, and the beautiful Elodie that worked as a dancer at a very well-known cabaret bar in Paris, and the charming Bernard who was older than her own father. He wined and dined her, and then, well, the story takes a very interesting plot twist, which is made all the more interesting when you realise that it isn't a story at all. It's real life, Lana's life, 
and it's fascinating. That's almost it for this week's episode of Proper Charlie. Next week, I'm going to be spending a lot of time cocooned in my office working on some wonderful projects, including helping Richard Digents to build an art website to promote his wonderful artwork. I have a trip to the theatre planned to see a play called Her Naked Skin, and I'm sure I'll have a lot of other adventures along the way too. That's the thing I love most about my life. I'm never quite sure what fun lays just around the corner. I'd love to hear about your week and what you've been up to, as well as your thoughts on anything I've discussed in this week's episode. So why not head over to Twitter at PropperCharlieM or Instagram at PropperCharliePodcast and tell me all about your thoughts. <laughs>